Swayze, it is an honor to have you back on the program with us today. Uhuru. Uhuru, uh, comrades, uh, Jamie, uh, Comrade JC, and uh, Chairwoman uh, Penny uh, It's really uh, an honor and privilege for me, too, uh, to be uh, on this platform of African internationalism in action. Yes, we are, we, are, we are all looking forward to this, Secretary, Secretary General uh, Luezi. And also joining us here is Penny Hess, the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, as you rightly point out, the, the white organization formed by the African People's Socialist Party to build solidarity with the African Revolution and organize white people for reparations to African people. Penny Hess is the author of Overturning the Culture of Violence and has been working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Omalia Shatella uh, since 1976. Uhuru Chairwoman Penny. Uhuru Jamie and Uhuru Jesse and just really honored to have you with us today, Secretary General Waze Kinshasa. Thank you so much for coming on with us to Reparations in Action, Uhuru. Uhuru. And, and I, I do want to shout out uh, Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, for your extraordinary work engineering the show today. Um, Secretary General Luezi and uh, Chairwoman Penny, in, in the New York Times article to protest colonialism, he takes artifacts from museum. It says that Mwazulu uh, Diabanza will appear in a Paris court this month after he tried to reclaim African resources and artifacts being held in the uh, Quay Branly Museum in Paris. Uh, the Quay Branly spokesman said that the museum strongly condemned the June action. It was a civil party in the case. <clears throat> it was a civil party in the case and will be represented at the September 30th hearing, he added. In court, Mr. Dibanza and his four associates will be defended by three lawyers. Quote, we are going to put slavery and colonialism on trial on September 30th, said one of the lawyers. Uh, Calvin Job, quote, we are leading a legitimate battle against unjust accusations. So this, this, these are uh, comments on this case of, of this African from, from the Congo who, who liberated these, these artifacts from a museum. Uh, Secretary G General Luezi Kinshasa, what are your thoughts on this case? Yeah, thank you uh, for uh, these uh, important questions. Uh, first of all, uh, before we, we answer the question, uh, we are calling basically for the uh, French um, government and the French state to drop all charges. Uh, we don't think uh, any African should stand trial for justly, just uh, act uh, to retrieve what belongs to us. And what was not, not only be, it belongs to us, but it was stolen from us. And uh, so for any African saying, I want what belongs to us to be returned, that's just demand. And uh, if someone should stand trial, is those who stole it. We will need to know what the name of the general or colonel or colonial governors uh, who stole it. Uh, they should be uh, uh, put uh, on trial. Uh, and also all these years, uh, the museum has been making money uh, from uh, those collections of African artifacts. They should pay reparation. But the first demand is drop all the charge, drop all the charge uh, against uh, Mwazulu and the Avanza and his uh, four friends, uh, comrades, all of them should be free. And in fact, 
they should be paid reparations uh, for taking them to uh, uh, to court for you know on wrong uh, accusations because uh, it's only correct for the oppressed, the colonized, uh, to fight back. That's you know it's a it's a, a just uh, uh, cause to do. It's it's just correct uh, a thing to do. So let's drop uh, all the charge, and also people need to know uh, France is uh, one of the bourgeois center of imperialism, which means that uh, they don't just have one museum, they have lots of museum. You know, uh, these uh, key Bali uh, you talked about, it's not the only place, they have other things, other places. They have the great museum of Louvre and uh, it's not free to get into uh, Musée uh, de Louvre. Uh, last time I was there, it was uh, eight uh, euro. That's a lot of money. Uh, that's a, uh, a bit, uh, a minimum wage per hour. I'm not sure if it's gone up, but something like that. So they make a lot of money out of it. And they have uh, the Museum of uh, Colonies and uh, Oceania. They have other museums in every major city in France. There's a museum with African artifacts. So all these uh, artifacts need to be returned. Uh, it's not a question uh, as a, if Africans can look after that or not. They don't belong to France, and France stole them, and France should return them. But uh, also, we want to appeal to Africans who are listening to this program uh, to make the voice known that France should drop the charges, and also Africans uh, are owed the reparation by the French government. As I said, it's not just what is in the museum, uh, not just what they stole uh, under colonialism, but also uh, you know the history of uh, humanity. The French have built in what they call Musée de l'Homme, Mankind Museum, where they have all the pieces uh, from hominids, you know, early uh, uh, humans, you know, uh, you know, millions of years of uh, fossils up to now. They took a lot of stuff in Africa. So you're talking about history for humanity, which partly or greatly is the history of Africa. Uh, and uh, the museum about that should be in Africa itself. It should be in Paris. And everything France has taken regarding that matter also uh, is illegal because there is no legitimate power in Africa. There is no legitimate power. The only legitimate power in Africa is a black power state. And there is no black power state. Anything there is, is you know, is a colonial, neo-colonial, you know, some kind of illegitimate power. So France has to return uh, all those things. So that's basically uh, some of the things I can say regarding uh, uh, your question. Thank you. So, thank you, Secretary General Louise Kinshasa. Uh, Chairwoman Penny Hess, mm -hmm. did you, uh, could you speak to this question of all the artifacts, all the art of uh, African cultures that, that's hoarded inside these uh, European museums and even the question of the, the history of humanity itself as Secretary General Louise just, just pointed out, if, if, if you look at the um, hominid uh, artifacts and, and fossils uh, controlled by colonialism. Could, could you speak to that as well? Uhuru. Well, first of all, I, I do want to salute Secretary General Louise Kinshasa, who is the Secretary General of the African Socialist International, the organization of, of African People's Socialist Party in every country around the world that's fighting for the liberation of Africa, the end of colonially imposed borders and the un unity of 
of African people wherever they have been forcibly dispersed around the world. And to say that I am the chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee, the organization of white people directly under the leadership and founded by the African People's Socialist Party and really salute Chairman Omalia Shatela, who is the leader of the African nation, who is our leader and just, you know, I, I just think that some, one of the things the chairman has been giving so many um, presentations and going live and speaking maybe up to two or three or more times a week um, about the current situation. And especially since the, um, the assassination, the police murder of George Floyd and the incredible uprising led by the African working class that has just ripped open to the whole world to see the colonial question. And I think that um, the chairman has analyzed that and also has talked about how when, because the African People's Socialist Party defined the question of reparations as a revolutionary demand based on the fact that capitalism was born on the assault on Africa and the stolen human beings and labor and wealth of, of African people. And that he's talked about, well, when reparations grip the masses of the people, we will see it coming out in many different ways. And I think that this is one of the ways. And that um, this, as S.G. Louise has said, um, the artifact, the art, the African art being held in Kay Branley in Paris is only one place. And he mentioned the Louvre. And I remember having the honor of visiting the Louvre and, um, and Secretary General, we were with the whole big group of people in Paris during, um, during the time when the party was either on tour or having um, the African Socialist International in, in Europe. And that he, you know, he was going, we were going through the Louvre and, and he was pointing out how, um, you know, just how um, all of this, and, and there was so much there. There were probably what, a um, hundred cases of what they call mummies, you know, the, um, you know, the, the ancestors, the African people um, from the period, from the ancient period. And there were hundreds of those just lined up and all different states of it. And, you know, that I know that that African countries have called for the return of the stolen art in the past. And they um, and, and Europe's response has been, well, you should be happy that this is that these art, you know, this artifacts are being displayed here. So you know, I just, I just think that the, the question is that it is really powerful that, that the lawyers are saying and have to say that they're going to put slavery and colonialism on trial in Europe and that this whole question of colonialism is just bursting out in every, every area, every facet of life. And it is, it is the central question in the world today. And it is being exposed again for that through the leadership of the African working class and, and the African People's Socialist Party. So, you know, I, I believe that white people, if we wanna get on board to what the world being changed to, to the transformation that is 
um, that is going about today, it has to be under the leadership of the organized African working class, the African People's Socialist Party, and the African Socialist International on a world scale. Thank you, Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee. Really, really appreciate that analysis. It's uh, it's, it's mind boggling to, to get one's head around the, the depth of, of the aggression, the violence and cruelty of colonialism um, when it gets to this psychological level of, of culture and, and art and history itself. Um, and I, I wanna turn back now to uh, Secretary General Luezi Kinshasa of the African Socialist International um, and ask if you first could speak to us about the role played by the incredible revolutionary Patrice Lumumba in challenging the imperialist domination of the Congo and uh, the United States and Belgium in his brutal assassination. Yes, well, um, you know, it's been uh, almost six years uh, since the assassination of Patricia Mumba. He was killed on um, 17 January, 1961 and uh, he assumed, uh, you can say assumed uh, the position of uh, prime minister on uh, 30th June, 1960. So in a matter of uh, six months, uh, it was, uh, well, it was dead. And uh, in a matter of, uh, you can say weeks, it was no longer to preside over the Congo as the prime minister. So he was never given uh, you know, the time uh, to implement uh, his policies or anything like that. So he was attacked from day one. Uh, and uh, the reasons uh, he was attacked from day one, uh, he did not and he will not compromise uh, with uh, basically the interests of the people with the interests of fascist capitalism, it will not. And um, he said it many times, uh, because sometimes you can, uh, you can bluff uh, to negotiate. You know, we, we've seen people doing that. I will do this, I'll threaten to do that, but he didn't. He uh, will put in practice what he was saying. And he was saying basically, uh, the people who made it, basically the workers and the peasants, have to be the main uh, beneficiaries or, uh, of the independence. Independence belongs to the people, it didn't belong to him. So he will not be bribed, he will not take any dollar uh, from anybody uh, for the people. So he was uh, absolutely clear on that. He was a representative of the African working class and poor peasant. It uh, was absolutely clear on that. And uh, it became increasingly clear that uh, imperialism uh, and, uh, and the people have no common interest. So he said uh, something like between slavery and freedom, there is no compromise. And that was a line he was developing. And uh, for the uh, imperialists in the context of Africa, uh, that was not uh, what they were looking for. And in the meantime, he has already signed an agreement with Kwame Nkrumah to unite Ghana and the Congo. And uh, the momentum of that will be having Congo and Ghana together are you more likely to win the rest of African countries, uh, uh, you know, together so they can build the Africa, you know, uh, base, uh, you can say the ideological force there would have been Kwame Nkrumah. And if you know Kwame Nkrumah wanted to build uh, one, uh, one Africa, one government, uh, one defense policy, 
uh, one market and so on. That's what Kuma uh, was pushing for. And also with Fulumuma, there will be an acceleration of the struggle against colonialism. You know, you can see uh, Angola, Mozambique, uh, South Africa, all these, Zimbabwe, all these countries will be central to the struggle Kuma was talking about. He made it clear in his speech that he wanted to make Congo the center of the struggle to free Africa. And and imperialists had no doubt that that's exactly what he was going to do. And uh, so, when you begin to develop this uh, anti-colonial position after independence, because you most of the time after independence, uh, that the African people made a deal of imperialism. So the refusal to make a deal signal signal to imperialism. There is no deal to be made uh, with these uh, African. And uh, so politically, uh, Lumumba was uh, on the ascendancy uh, that colonialism has to go. If you listen to his speech on the 30th of June, it was clear, you know, he uh, was uh, indicting uh, Western colonialism on the day of independence in his, you know, splendid speech when he replied to the Western king. And uh, so it became clear to imperialism that uh, if they want to have a neo-colonial Congo, they would have to assassinate the movement. They would have to overthrow his government. Uh, you have to remove the anti-colonial uh, leadership because that's what the movement was representing uh, and replace it by new colonial leadership. And uh, the United States and uh, the rest of the white power, they found those elements within the party of the itself because as often you hear the chairman saying unresolved questions of the 60s. Uh, <clears throat> what social force uh, uh, will lead the struggle for African uh, uh, to total liberation? Uh, it's clear that the African people could not do that because after independence, basically after the reform of colonialism, the African people lost its uh, progressive character because the only thing they wanted is to be part of the uh, of the apparatus of imperialism, you know, be with imperialists and have their share uh, of the cake. You know, so to speak. And uh, so they found people inside the movement's organization. Mobutu uh, was uh, one of them. And also, the critical question is that Padishuma uh, was influenced by Pan Africanism. And uh, the Pan Africanism, as we know, uh, did not request, did not assume that to go to power, you will have to defeat uh, imperialism. You will have to, uh, you know, take control of the. Uh, of the colonial state or destroy the colonial state and replace it with a colonial with a state that was uh, an expression of the people's revolution of the workers uh, uh, struggle uh, you know something like that and uh pan africans did not assume that <clears throat> uh pan africans assume that you mobilize the people you win you win power and uh, the imperialists will allow you to reform uh, uh the uh, the state and so on so you work with them so imperialism will not die. Just a reform imperialism. That's what Kuma did with uh, influence of Dubois and Padmo and people like that. Uh, so he found himself in a position where he could not defend his power, his government. He had no army. The army in place was a colonial army. And uh, cadres he had with him, they were pretty bourgeois cadres, loyal to imperialism. And uh, around uh, Congo, Congo uh, you know, other African countries, uh, most of them line up uh, with imperialism, uh, except few, uh, like in Kuma, uh, Egypt of Nasa, uh, Guinea of Security. But all, 
all these forces didn't have any unified organization. They didn't have a, a revolutionary party to mobilize, uh, to reinforce Lumumba power. You see, and Kuma himself saying uh, his army in the Congo, and Kuma's army was led by, by a British uh, white general. So, and Lumumba called the UN, uh, he didn't know. People have to remember, people saying Macron is a young president. And Macron was given everything on the plate. You know, the bankers, you name them, they put Macron in power. Lumumba came to power as a result of fierce struggle against direct white power. And he was only 35 years old, you know, and the Belgian maintained strict control that it would not allow the people to have access to knowledge that was out there in the world. Like people like Oshimin had access to, you know, Russian revolution, you name it, the Chinese revolution, all you know, struggles around the world so they can sum up how to move against colonialism. The Mumba didn't have access to all those things. Of course, Pan-Africanists can't do that because, you know, Pan-Africanists was about revolution either. So he didn't have access to all that. So he found himself at one point surrounded by all shocks of imperialism. And where the Belgian and the United States will play the critical role by equipping uh, Mobutu and others uh, to hunt down the Mumba, uh, just to be short, the, uh, they were able basically to overthrow his government using the military and corrupting the entire political class. Suitcase, briefcases of money was circulating in the Congo. In two years, mm -hmm. officially, UN recognized $300 million were spent in two years in the Congo. This just through the UN. We're not talking about the money channeled through the French, the British, the South Africa, uh, the United States, Canada. It's a lot of money spent in short time just to buy the entire political class, neutralize uh, the moment. Because it was emerging as somebody we can unify uh, the anti-colonial movement uh, in Africa and throughout the world, possibly, uh, around the Congo, and so they can develop the struggle to free uh, Africa. And yeah, agreed with Kuma, Africa should be united. So all these made it clear to imperialism that uh, in order to impose new colonialism, they have to uh, overthrow him and uh, then assassinate him. And uh, they did in the most brutal way, uh, as you know, so they can demoralize the people. And uh, today we see, we're still facing the consequences of the assassination uh, today. You know, uh, yeah, these are some of the things uh, uh, we can say. And uh, so the death of Luma itself today, in fact, the death of Luma can't go away. He has never gone away. The only thing now with the influence of the party, uh, you know, the struggle for reparation, uh, that initiated was initiated by the chairman, uh, Chairman O'Malley, since um, well, since the creation of the party, basically, as we say. Now, also, is raising the question uh, of Lumumba. And uh, so we are in a new phase of struggle today. So that's some of the things uh, uh, I can say. Well, yeah, we, we are indeed in a new phase of, of the struggle. Um, we're, uh, Secretary General Luizi Kinshasa is. Um, um, Secretary General of the African Socialist International and a longtime member of the African People's Socialist Party, a leading member. And uh, I just wanted to let everyone know and to anyone who's listening, uh, just how valuable your, um, your writings are and your speeches in, in forwarding African internationalism. And I think a, a, just a quick example of that is the Burning Spear 
you know, September 2020, your article, Make Belgium Pay Reparations, speaks further on this question of colonialism in the Congo and um, the, the, the culpability of, of the Belgians, the question of reparations. And I, I encourage people to, to look into that. Thank you so much for your analysis, Secretary General Luezi Kinshasa. I want to turn now also to Chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess. You have also written extensively, spoken extensively on the question of Patrice Lumumba, who uh, was murdered, if I'm not mistaken, 60 years ago today. Uh, could, could you sum up the significance of, of Patrice Lumumba? Uhura. Well, I want to say, first of all, that my total understanding of, of Patrice Lumumba and uh, what he represented in the world was summed up by Secretary General Wazy and is something that I've learned completely from being under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. And I think that uh, Secretary General Wazy, you know, just summed it up really, really powerfully. And I would, and, and I, I really want to unite with what you said, S.G. Luazi, that, you know, the, the death, the murder, the assassination of Patrice Lumumba, the ramifications continue today. And it is a long trajectory from, as you, you have said, from the uh, Belgian, from King Leopold's occupation and genocide against Africans in the Congo in the um, 19th and early 20th century, all the way through the assassination of Patrice Lumumba to what the conditions are now. And we do want to talk about you know, what these incredibly um, brutal and violent colonial conditions that African people are facing there. I would really urge um, any, any people listening, any white people in particular, to read the book, The Assassination of Lumumba by Ludo de Vita, W-I-T-T-E. And that, you know, is, it just shows a little window of what happened to him and it's, it's pretty good. Also, there is a film that is based on that book that depicts how um, the, the US CIA and along with Belgian intelligence agents went about, um, you know, the murder of Patrice Lumumba and you know, I, I think that I was just wondering if, just for a brief time, if, if Secretary General Luizzi could relate what happened at the, um, I believe it was the independence ceremony in Kinshasa when in 1960, I guess in 1961, when um, Lumumba as the um, prime minister, not, not the president, um, had to jump in and give um, an extemporaneous speech that some say sealed his, you know, his death. I, I just wondered if you could just tell that story really briefly about him. Yes, um, that was um, what people, you know, refer to as a, a momentous uh, event, uh, like a marker. Uh, in history that uh, ever, everyone remembers. You will never forget that. And um, so we had three speeches and uh, the Belgian uh, spoke, the, the King of, of Belgium, that's Baudouin. I think it was the grand nephew of uh, Leopold II. 
And uh, his speech uh, was uh, really an offense to everyone uh, who understood that uh, the 30th of June supposes to be the end of an era. Uh, even for the purpose of neocolonialism. So the white leaders understood that now you're moving towards a new era where it's going to be white power in a black face. Mm -hmm. He didn't even do that. He just gave a speech uh, where uh, he basically hold up uh, Leopold II. And uh, people remember very well, remember this in the 60s, you see how people lived through the genocide of Leopold II. Mm -hmm. So it was a very alive in the memory of the people. And to hold up Leopold II, that uh, he was some kind of uh, builder of, uh, of people's life, of peace, uh, of anything uh, good for the people, uh, that was really offensive. People just, uh, in fact, if you, if you speak to anyone from that generation, they'll tell you uh, how terrible uh, life was under Leopold II. They'll tell you that. I've seen videos, I've, you know, I've seen testimonies of people saying that. So that was really, really alive. Uh, and then the Kasafubu, who was the uh, honorary uh, president because the uh, it was a parliamentary system, so the power was in the hands of the prime minister, but there was an honorary uh, president. His name was Kasavu, and Kasavu made a speech, and he was a, he made a self speech. He made a very uh, ridiculous speech, where basically he thanked uh, the colonizers. So you have now the speech of the king of the Belgium, very offensive, holding up. Uh, uh, Leopold uh, II, and then you have Kasavubu thanking the king of Belgium. So people say, what kind of independence is this? So, so far, anything we ever heard uh, is basically in support of colonialism. And uh, Lumumba will understood uh, the significance of the struggle, uh, the significance of that ceremony, and also, who even before this, the uh, the speech uh, became unsatisfied that uh, the day of the independence, he didn't have his own uh, army because all these questions. Remember, Lumumba was in touch with a lot of people at the time. Franz Fanon was one of them. Mm -hmm. So Lumumba, when he spoke, he knew all some of the weaknesses. It has to deal with that independence. In fact, I made a speech uh, a couple of days before that independence is not something that is given on a silver plate and something you must snatch it from colonizers. They don't give it to you. So he was aware that by being there on that day, they did not destroy the colonial apparatus. They did not defeat the Belgian. He didn't have commanders who grew up out of uh, colonial warfare against colonizers. He was aware of those contradictions as uh, you know, it grew uh, you know, rapidly to a different consciousness. So that speech he made was an attempt to rectify to a certain degree. And also uh, to prepare uh, the people that uh, the struggle did not end 
after that proclamation of independence. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. some of the things he did yet understood at the time is the class crisis. The Africans who were in his party, the Africans he worked with from the African bourgeoisie. The only thing they were fighting for was that flat independence. After that, they will not be with him. And they, he didn't understand that question fully because he assumed he can always uh, count on the ethnic bourgeoisie. So on his face, he basically indicted uh, the Belgian colonialism for the killings they did, for the humiliation they imposed on people, for the restrictions they imposed on people, basically for all aspects of colonialism they endured. He denounced it. And uh, this was bold. And by doing that, he emboldened uh, a lot of people, not just in that room, but throughout the country and throughout Africa, because he understood the historical significance uh, of that moment. And uh, you know, even, even today, uh, the speech he made is a, a sign uh, of a great courage that uh, is a continue, I would say, to inspire people um, today. But it should, that speech also convinced imperialist powers, some of them, that there is no way you're going to have a moment to compromise near colonialism. That was obvious to, to many. Uh, in fact, that's what probably two or three, four days after the Belgium attacked him. They didn't wait, uh, you know, until he was killed. It was uh, on the 4th of July. So four days after, the Belgian opened fire in many cities throughout uh, Congo. Four days after. The, uh, the signature of independence, you're free now, mm -hmm. it's your country now, you're governing now. Four days, the Belgian troops, to show the Mumba you're not in charge, they open by killing people indiscriminately, you know, four days after, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so that speech definitely is linked to it. So yes, you're correct, Chairman uh, Penny, yes. That uh, speech contributed definitely to the imperialist decision. The Mumba was not uh, that kind of guy, as the uh, imperialists often say about President. Right. Yeah, it was. Right. Yes. Uhura, thank you for that. And I just want to say, of course, that, you know, they paid Mobutu millions, if not billions of dollars. I mean, he was a billionaire. They paid him very well to be the model neo-colonialist of Africa. And, and, no, and yet, yeah, as, as no, you point out, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Secretary yeah, General. You know, uh, from that moment, uh, the Belgian uh, decided to freeze all Congo's assets. And this is one of the contention today. We still don't know how much money the Belgian not mm. only froze, but also stole from that moment. The woman had access to no money, no funds. As a prime minister, the Belgian, you know, yeah, did that. And also that gave Mobutu briefcases full of dollars. Mm -hmm. Mumba was sick. It wasn't the only one, but the Mumba and the others were circulating with briefcases of money to buy Petit uh, Bourgeoisie and other, you know, people uh, who were supposed to be for the Mumba to buy them off. So, you know, that's how the process of the Mumba, uh, Mobutu's uh, uh, enrichment also started. It started like that. That he had access to, he wasn't accountable to anyone. Money was just flowing to him. Yes, sir. And, and, you know, I, I just wanted to point out how important I thought it was, Secretary General Luizzi, in your, um, in your article on this spear, that it's, it's important to remember that, that uh, the 
Congo was being colonized by European colonialism before Leopold, and it continues to be colonized by imperialism after Leopold. Uh, and I, I just wanted to, to bring this, I, I really appreciate that incredible uh, overview of, of the history of the assassination of, of Patrice Lumumba and his, his incredible anti-colonial statement um, about uh, the, the Belgian colonial regime. You know, recently it was reported that Belgium is being uh, forced uh, by the political circumstances to return the teeth taken from Lumumba's skull after he was brutally assassinated. Uh, a Belgian judge has said that the teeth should be returned to his family almost 60 years after his assassination by Belgian officers. And, and the horror of that speaks for itself, but uh, Secretary General Louise Kinshasa, if, if you could take up that, that issue and, and, and speak to, to this uh, horrific reality. You know, uh... First of all, you know, uh, Africa basically is a, is a place or a civilization that uh, considered uh, the death of anybody to be completed. The person has to be given a burial. They have to bury you. Uh, and uh, so you would not see anybody unless he died from accident, like uh, in a river, you know, things like that. You don't expect someone would die in a river sometimes to see his body, you know, and people understand that. They will do some ceremony, things like that. But people don't expect uh, any, anyone in the position of authority, a leader of the people to die and not to have a place to be buried, not to be buried at all. People don't expect that. So it's uh, shocking, it's uh, undescribable that uh, not just a freedom fighter, but just a leader of the people has no barrier because imperialism decided he should not have what. And uh, this is a profound issue because it goes deeper to the question of parasitic capitalism. Our capitalism was born. It was born denying Africans burial, which is a, a long tradition. In fact, a barrier or you know, burying people is a part of the you know, contribution of Africa towards civilization. But today, if anyone has a barrier, because Africa started that process of uh, you know, thousands and thousands uh, years ago. So you had uh, Lumumba and all Africans who died uh, either uh, on Africa coast or during the, the, uh, the uh, across the seas uh, and so on, and who have no place or burial. Uh, this in itself is a profound question that the uh, African liberation basically uh, has to uh, uh, look into. So it's more than a question of the teeth of Lumumba. It's a question mm -hmm of the illegitimacy of uh, fascist capitalism, a system that denies Africans to practice uh, basic tradition established, you know, I don't know, 100,000 years ago, that everyone has the right to be buried. And this woman is not. And uh, the question of thief also, since it's a, it's a domain, is a, is a part of uh, the uh, reparation uh, at domain. 
And uh, I saw the letter written by Juliana uh, Lumumba, the daughter of Adish Lumumba, requesting uh, additive. We, we support that demand as a family member, as a child, somebody who was denied you know, to grow uh, without the influence of, uh, of her father. She has all right to demand everything the person have from, taken from Lumumba to be returned. But uh, the big question is the question of African International Tribunal, because is uh, is bigger than the woman's family. Is the question of African nations? There must be an international tribunal where imperialism must be put on trial, uh, so the whole world uh, can be uh, uh, can be given opportunity, basically, uh, to to get uh, uh, white power uh, uh, leaders. And uh, the wiper uh, nation in general are uh, basically uh, to unite uh, with the demand of. Uh, well, when I say to unite, I don't, you know, of course, expect the uh, the white ruling class to, to unite to that. But I'm talking about the general white population, that they have to be part of the struggle uh, to build a movement for reparation. Because it's not just the chief that needs to be returned; is that they have to contribute to a movement that will bring the white rulers to the tribunal. That we can get rid of of imperialists, the white power. It, it, it needs to go. The power that will kill a prime minister, a freedom fighter, the way they keep addition woman, and allow those two soldiers that saw on television, one of them, you know, portraying, showing the tooth of Lumumba on, on a camera. And I believe it must be the tooth of Lumumba, because uh, they are arrogant enough. That is basically white nationalism in action. Uh, to do to display you know the truth the way uh, uh, they did, and uh, the uh, the last thing basically, which is con which is connected to the first question uh, about Mozulu Dibayan uh, uh, Mozulu uh, Diabanza uh, going to the museum to free the yeah, African artifact. They are connected. Uh, Junior Lumumba is asking for the return of the tooth. Mwazulu is asking for the return of Antikran. And the African People's Socialist Party is demanding white solidarity with black power and the organization of international tribunal to put white leaders, white power on trial. Uh, that is, uh, is of a new question. But there is also another question uh, the African working class has to take on because remember we're talking about the tribunal, but we also have to talk about the black power state because we're talking about a tribunal will go to its final conclusion only if we have the black power state who will be the custodian of the will and aspirations of the African nation, uh, fighting for repression, you know, and things like that, but also putting the African people bourgeoisie on trial. Because Lumumba died because after the bourgeoisie committed it was a national suicide and united with their white imperialist power. You know, that's the fundamental question. You know, so you go put all those uh, things together and uh, and uh, basically all these questions, as Chairman uh, Penny said earlier on, by quoting the chairman, reparation is a question of a revolution, it's a demand or a function of the revolution. So mm -hmm. part of the struggle, we are happy to see more and more people 
even they don't call you reparations, uh, they getting in the struggle, demanding the return of uh, what is uh, owed to us. Uh, and that's the influence of the APS3 of the party, of the chairman's uh, work. There isn't doubt about it. Uh, we know, we know, we know each other in, in the village, so to speak. We know who's who, so we know that's the influence uh, of the party. You know, yes, we're. Thank you so much, uh, Secretary General Louise. I really appreciate that overview. Really appreciate that you connected it back to the first question of uh, the Kwe um, uh liberation um, by, by the African from Con from Congo. And you know, in my mind, uh, Penny Hess, Chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, you're, you, you lead the organization that works under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party for reparations. And this question seems to queue up that, that subject uh, quite, quite perfectly. Could, could you also speak to this, this horrific question of uh, white nationalist arrogance and um, you know the, the offense of taking Patrice Lumumba's teeth, as as well as this larger question of like colonial violence beyond the grave, with with the white power holding on to the artifacts and even the body parts of, of African people like Patrice Lumumba. Well, I I do want to express my total unity with everything that Secretary General Louise just laid out and I totally unite that all white people owe reparations to African people and that when we just look at a little bit that has been you know talked about today and there's so much to say about Congo and that's just one front of just the complete genocide and terror and plunder of Africa and African people but that all white people owe reparations and that this, what Secretary General was saying, the need for a, Af an African internationalist tribunal with the understanding um, to put imperialism on trial and all of the murderers and um, assassins and the um, perpetrators of the incredible violence of colonialism that all white people experience um, life on the pedestal of this reality, whether we're the ones that carried it out or not, we are complicit with it, we are the colonizer nation, and that white people must unite with this demand, not only for the tribunal, as he, as S.G. Louise said, but also for the right of Af African people to have the black power state led by the African working class to carry out the verdict, which will be the death penalty or perhaps something even worse because these people must pay a price. And the, uh, you know, the, this, as, as she said, these, this Belgian, and I think it was one or, or two who actually carried out the murder the brutal murder of Patrice Lumumba um, in 1961. He still has his tooth, as has been said. And that was a TV show that I believe was, I'm not sure if that was the BBC or you can find some remnants of that show on YouTube. And I, I, do, um, I, I do believe that all white people should, should see it. And, and you know what it involved, not just overtly killing him, but shooting him, 
chopping up his body and putting his body in acid so that um, so that he would be totally destroyed. And as as Gilouazi said, you know, um, clearly without a burial, without um, any respect whatsoever, to completely demean him and his death as a warning to the African working class to never rise up again as part of a counterinsurgency. And, you know, I just, I, I really want to unite with the, you know, just this call for all white people and in a particular kind of way in this regard, white people and white working people in Belgium to unite with the call for the demand for revolutionary reparations to African people, to African people of Congo for all its crimes and the fact that Belgians live at one of the highest standards of living in Europe based on the, um, the debt of the exploitation, murder, rape and plunder that goes on today in, in Congo through Belgium and US imperialism. The, uh, the, again, it's the, the, the depth of the conditions that white power forces on, on African people. We, we, we can't uh, you know, over say the significance of that. I was wondering, um, Secretary General, um, if, if you could Yes, well. Her, we can't hear you. Oh. Yeah, it froze okay. what, for a couple of seconds. Yeah. So uh, the uh, conditions of the people today, you know, often when we say colonial con condition, and uh, I want people to understand it's not just a, it's not a phrase, it's not an empty phrase. Colonial condition speaks to what some people refer to as super exploitation, all these are, you know, super uh, attractive. Uh, so it's basically inhumanity. It's a uh, horrible uh, conditions uh, that is not natural because people are used to see uh, poverty uh, in African community around the world and particularly in Africa. And uh, they think this is the natural conditions of life. Uh, in Africa, which is not what they're looking to. That's, that's exactly what we mean by colonial conditions. Anything that is extraordinarily out of this world that you, you look at it and say, what? I would not like to live in those conditions. Anything that white people refuse to live under, that's exactly, that's what colonial conditions. They don't want to live under colonial conditions. They know what colonial conditions is, you know? And then you know, the uh, white uh, bourgeois uh, ideologues, and uh, they come and they say, oh no, that, this, this, this poverty. No, this is not poverty. Of true, it's full poverty, but that's not really the, uh, the, uh, the best way, the correct way to describe it. This is a result of uh, centuries of exploitation, of denying people access to resources, or denying people uh, the right to develop, to have an economy that satisfies our own needs for development, for human development. And uh, so those people live in harshest conditions are, are possible. And uh, you also have, uh, on the top of that, you also have the uh, brutality of repression for the people to accept to live under those conditions. And the assassinations of Lumumba speaks to that. 
one the reason they killed him in in that brutal way, most brutal way, is to force the people to accept status quo. You better continue to live under status quo than attempt to overturn the status quo by trying to be like uh, uh, Lumumba. And people need to know when we say status quo, when we say uh, colonial uh, conditions, uh, we mean basically uh, people not having uh, access uh, to basic needs, just the right to eat, basic. People should also eat three days you know, uh, each day, uh, three times every day. Uh, the situation, the way it is in the Congo today, people are extremely poor. I don't really like to, to use this word extremely poor, that colonially, just severe colonialism, uh, people eat once a day. And uh, mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for people to not to eat every day. People skip meals, not because they want to, because they are uh, suffering from bulimia, all that kind of stuff. No, because they don't have money. Teachers are paid something like $80 a month. And rent for houses, minimum, minimum $50. And uh, the rest you work out how, how the teacher will, will survive. They can't survive. So what they do, they ransom the family, the parents. So parents have to pay the teachers. Soldiers are amongst the poorest. So it's not like the police, uh, uh, you know, imperialist centers, things like that. I went to school next to the police camp because every city was surrounded by police camps. That's how the version uh, controlled the population. And uh, everybody knew the children of the police uh, were hungry. Uh, there was something wrong with them because they had access to less food, nutrition than anybody else. And that continued up to date. And that's why they, uh, the soldiers also leave off the people. So ransoming the people is a regular occurrence. Everywhere you go, police, uh, what do you call them, checkpoints out there. They don't stop you for any reason to take something from you. That's, you should expect it. You should not be wandering in the Congo without facing uh, police checkpoints so they can take some money from uh, you. People are not paid. If you have a job and you're paid every month, you must be in the government. You must be working for, you know, I don't know, prime minister or people like that. No, people are not paid. That's, that's normal. People are not paid every month. People go for months. Some people go for years. They have not been paid. They cannot resign. They cannot face the family. They cannot tell the families, I have no job. They would rather keep that job going for free. And that's the reality today. And uh, of course, you have uh, people who really, work in the mines. And the many mines, mining areas, the United States, the United States has imposed permanent counter-surgency in the Congo. There are many counter-surgency taking place in the Congo. Uh, you have the Ebola. That's just a subject, a topic in itself, if you, you want to talk about that aspect. But we're talking about warfare in terms of police and army being on your face every day and killing people every day. 
So you have militias everywhere. There are mining areas. You should expect of militias to terrorize the workers, to prevent the workers from organizing and ramsoming, uh, you, you know, uh, ransoms uh, from the people uh, at gunpoint and killing the people. You have that aspect. You also have another aspect, the role of, of, of those militias, uh, armed groups and controlled directly by people in the government, Kabila himself, and then controlled by neighboring countries, uh, Burundi, Rwanda, and Uganda, Rwanda and Uganda in particular, and they come and kill, they rob, they rape, and it's documented, uh, no ends and things like that. And of course, you have the UN, who's supposed to be there to maintain a peace, which basically to maintain the conditions of exploitation of the people. This is the largest UN army in the world, with a budget greater than the budget of the Congolese army. They have like 1.3 billion dollars, and the Congo budget is just under 5 billion dollars, which is ridiculous. And uh, the UN never does, never, 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 never stops any, any, any uh, masking. They always show up when the masking has been done. And this is true in the Congo, this is true in Mali, this is true everywhere they are. That's part of the United States strategy to create wars, to create kind of chaos, and to exploit the minerals within uh, the condition of chaos. That's the the kind of strategy the U.S. has been uh, uh, operating uh, in the Congo for uh, a while now. So you're talking of uh, over 10 million people killed. People run, uh, live in the bush. Uh, let me just say quickly to you this. Uhuru Secretary General, thank you so much. We, 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 I think we have like 10 seconds left, actually, Chairwoman no, Penny. Stop, but let's the time is over, so. Yeah. I, I, I want to say thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. Secretary General Luezi, Kinshasa of the African Socialist International. I want to thank Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee. This has been Reparations in Action on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP in St. Petersburg. I want to encourage everyone to come out tomorrow night uh, on September 30th, the 44th anniversary of the founding of the African People's Solidarity Committee is happening. Um, there will be a dynamic discussion with Chairman Omalia Shatella and African People's Solidarity Committee Chairwoman Penny Hess called the African Revolution Behind Enemy Lines register on zoom at tinyurl.com slash apsc 44 and don't miss omali taught me sundays 8 a.m on chairman omali Chatella's facebook page and youtube.com slash the burning spear this has been reparations in action my name is jamie simpson thank you so much we'll talk to you next week uhuru, uhuru.